Well, good morning, Sherwood family. I hope you are doing well. And even more than that, I hope that you have come to hear what the Lord might say to you through his word. And uh, today, we're going to let the word do most of the speaking. So I'm going to share with you some passages that have been uh, working on me for a while. Over the last few months, my brothers and I have been praying about a direction for the next film that we do. And the Lord has pointed us to the topic of discipleship. Now, on the surface, I'm thinking, well, that's great. I'd like to learn more about discipleship. And then once you get into it, you realize this is a lot to digest. And there are things about discipleship I admit to you I was not ready for. Though I am familiar with every passage we're going to look at today, I am admitting to you that with a more honed focus on discipleship, some of it has been hard for me. So we're going to let God do most of the talking today. But I feel compelled by him to deal with this topic. Some of these verses are like a two by four to my head. And I have had to say, Lord, would you work on me? Would you work on me? But it is just like the Lord to say, because of how I want to use you, I'm going to first stretch you, strengthen you, and prepare you. And sometimes that is not an easy process. But either he is Lord or he's not. And I'm here to tell you that he is Lord. So we're going to advance. We're going to step together through this. But I'm asking you, and I'm going to say a prayer right now, I'm asking you, would you say, Lord, would you help my heart be open to whatever you want to say to me? Would you do that today? There's no point in coming to church together if we are closed to what he might say. So may we be open to whatever the Lord wants to say. Let me pray. Lord, we have come together today, and I'm so grateful, Lord. It is a blessing just to see the church family. So we've come together to worship, to praise your name, and to hear from you, Lord. And we want to honor your word, and we want to be attentive to what you would say. So in Jesus' name, I'm asking, God, would you help us to be open, responsive, and to apply what you say to us? that we treasure your word. And Lord, help us to do so in a way that honors you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There were two high schoolers, Brett and Jeremy. They played football in high school together, were best friends, and they wanted to get into the state university where they lived. Their parents had gone there, both sets of parents. And so they weren't sure they were gonna get in, but after their SAT scores and in their grades, they were able to make it in the state university. They were ecstatic. They had watched the football team of this university on television, and they couldn't believe that they were just part of the university family. A few days before classes started, they were on campus, had set up their dorm room, and they were able to room together in the dorm room. And they connected with some other guys on campus on a Thursday afternoon, and they said, hey, let's uh, do a pickup game of touch football. They went to an open field on campus, and they're throwing around the football having a good time playing. Well, both Brett and Jeremy were athletic enough to have done well in high school, and so they knew the game well. 
They were agile. They were quick. And wouldn't you know it, two gentlemen are walking across campus headed to get something to eat, and they stop and start watching this pickup football game. When the game is over, one of the gentlemen calls them over. The closer they got to this gentleman, they see that it is the head football coach of the university football team. He was just going to get something to eat. He stopped and watched out of curiosity. He noticed Brett and Jeremy, that they were very good, how fast they were, strong they were, and that they obviously were familiar with football. When he began talking to them, they stood there thinking, I can't believe we're talking to the head football coach. Now, this is like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart walking over to us. And so they're, they're talking to him, and he says, hey, just out of curiosity, you two guys, uh, you're freshmen here? They said, yes, sir. He said, uh, y'all have a path already for your extracurricular activities? And they said, well, no, sir, we're just getting started. He said, well, I, I'm impressed with what I just saw. Would you two be interested at all in trying out for the football team? They looked at each other, not even thinking that was an option. They said, oh, y- yes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, I have two spots available for walk-on positions, not scholarship. I've given those out to ones we've recruited, but I'll give you a shot on Saturday if you're available. They said, absolutely. So excitedly, they show up Saturday to see some of the staff there for the football team. They go through their tryout. The coach meets them afterwards. He says, guys, I'll be honest, there's a lot of potential here. We like what we see, but there's a lot of work to be done. I am offering you to walk on positions on the football team. It is unlikely you will play your first year. But before you agree to be on the team, I want you to talk to one of our rising seniors who's been with us for a few years now. His name is Terrell. He's going to meet with you in the student center. And I just want you to hear him out before you agree to play. They were like, oh, we know who this guy is. He's the tight end. We've seen him on television. They meet him in the student center, and Terrell sits across from them, and he says, guys, I was in your shoes years ago. I remember the feeling of having an opportunity to play. He said, but this this is what I want to tell you. If you do this, you have to be all in. In other words, you can't just say, well, I'll try it for a while. If I don't like it, I'll quit, or I'll I'll show up for practice Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that's my time because that's not the way it works. He said, I learned when I joined the football team that a lot of stuff was much harder than I expected. The speed at the college level is way more than the high school level. These guys are strong. It's not like some of the guys can play. They can all play. And when you play other teams, some of them are very, very good. We've had some disappointing losses, but mostly wins. And I also learned that I had to die to a lot of things. Well, Brett and Jeremy are looking at each other going, die to a lot of things? What are you talking about, die to a lot of things? He said, well, I learned once I'm in the program that a path is set for me. I learned to be disciplined with my time, with my workouts. It wasn't fun waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym, weights for two hours, then get cleaned up, go to class. After class, go back to the field practice for two more hours for all the drills and exercises on the field. And I'm exhausted at the end of the day, and I would still have to do my studies, and you have to make good grades to stay on the team. Well, Brett and Jeremy are looking at each other going, whoa, this is way more than we expected. Terrell says, I also learned that there is a higher likelihood of injury, that there are times that I am sore. There are times that I have been hit hard enough. I've got bruises at the end of the day. But this is what I picked up. 
I have a higher level of discipline. I'm more scheduled. I'm more purposeful with my time. I'm more disciplined with studying. I have learned so much about overcoming hardship. When you lose a game, managing my own emotions and getting back up and continuing to fight. And there is some camaraderie that is deeper than I ever thought it could be playing with the guys around me and fighting together to achieve a goal and a victory. He said, those things, rising over conflict, overcoming hardship, disciplining yourself, that, that unity on our team, those are things that are part of my character now that I can take with me through life. He said, so I gained all this stuff, more than I thought, but it was harder than I thought. So what I'm telling you is, welcome to the team if you're willing to take this step, but count the cost. You're either all in, or it would be better for you to play the pickup or intramural local football. Well, Brett and Jeremy look at each other, that's a lot to think about. Their dorm room that evening, they're sitting across from each other in their room, and they're talking, and Brett says, I, you know, when he made us this offer, I saw myself wearing the uniform with the pads on, jerseys on, and I'm running out of the tunnel onto the field with 40,000 fans cheering like crazy, and I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. And I run out on the field, and everybody's cheering, and I was thinking of that, that roar of the crowd, even later walking across campus, somebody saying, hey, aren't you on the football team? Yes, I am. I'm thinking about all that. I'm not, I'm not thinking about all the stuff you got to die to. When Terrell's talking about you, your time is filled up. Now, when my buddies call and, hey, we're going to go see the latest Marvel movie tonight, I can't go. We're going to go hang out at the mall, maybe grab a Cinnabon. I can't do that. You know, milkshakes and fun and hanging out and just, we're going bowling tonight, whatever. No, my schedule is set because I have a path and a purpose for that path. And there is a cost, but there's also benefit, things I'm learning. And Brett said, you know, Jeremy, I want to enjoy my college experience. Yes, I want to learn, but I want to enjoy it. I want to make friends. I want to do some things for fun. And I don't want to get injured. So I'm thinking, maybe not. Maybe I'll just do a lower level of football on campus, pickup or intramurals. Jeremy thinks, Brett, you can do that. But what I heard him say was he grew in strength, he grew in health, he grew in discipline, he grew in, grew in his study skills, he grew in his understanding of how to overcome hardship, he grew with his friends that he was going to war with on the ball field, he's making connections, and he said that's what I heard him say as well. I want that for my life. And if you think about it, these guys also represent not just each other and the coach, but this university. And they're a good representation because when we watch the games, they're good. And something goes into that. So he says, I, I want to do it. Brett says, Jeremy, are you sure? Man, that's a high price to pay. Jeremy accepts the position. Brett does not. Over the first year, Jeremy does not play. It is hard. His time early in the morning in the weight room, he is sore. One time he pulls a muscle. Later on, he does get hit at practice so hard, he feels like he's about to pass out. He overcomes. He keeps learning. He keeps practicing, growing in strength, his agility. He learns to 
to schedule his time for all of his studies in the evenings. He has to say no to a lot of things. He has to die to a lot of things. Sophomore year gets some playing time. He gets in the best shape of his life in his sophomore year, while his buddy Brett has gained 20 pounds. His junior year, Jeremy is starting. His junior year, they went on to win the conference championship. And Jeremy, both of these guys, by the way, are believers. Jeremy is asked to speak on campus at the FCA. Brett thinks, man, how'd you get that opportunity? As they grow, there's more connections to be made. By their senior year, Jeremy has received a scholarship, has no more college debt. They both graduate. Brett has also graduated. He's part of the university family. He's got to pay off his college debt. Jeremy has connections through all of his... Uh, teammates and coaches and opportunities to speak. So at the end, this is what I want you to hear. Both were in the university family. One was a fan of his football route. The other was devoted to his football route. Now let me change gears here. When you think of a believer, when you think of a believer who is saved who says, I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for me, rose from the grave, and I've asked him to save me, put my faith and trust in him. Is there a difference from just being a believer to being a disciple that is fully devoted and sold out to Jesus, no matter what that means? We're going to look at some passages here. And the more I dove into this for myself, the more I had to stop and pray and say, God... (laughs) Help me get this, because I'm seeing that there's not a middle ground. You can't join the team and say, it's too hard for me, I'm bailing out. There's no place for a lukewarm status. Questions are, is there a difference between being just a believer who is saved and satisfied with their faith and being a disciple, totally devoted follower of Jesus. What does the Lord want for us, and what does it cost? So we're going to look at salvation first. You're going to see a lot of verses on the screen, and by the way, I am just fine, and I do it myself. For you to pull out your phone and take a snapshot of the screen, because you're going to see a lot of Scripture. But hang with me, okay? So here we go. We're going to look at the Romans road for salvation. I often use this when I've shared the gospel with others. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Why are we unrighteous? Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all unrighteous because all of us have sinned. So what did God do about it? Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. For us, The one who did not deserve to die is the one who died. Why did he have to do that? Romans 6.23 answers that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please note the term gift. Note that term. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do I get it then? Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Then it goes on, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10, 13 sums it up. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is good news. Now, if we go a little bit further, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 supports this as well. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one should boast. Is there any question that it's a gift? No, it it says that multiple times in Scripture. I've just given you two. It is a gift. In other words, what does salvation cost us? Jesus is the one who did the work. Is it a gift if you pay for it? Salvation is a gift. Both Romans and Ephesians call salvation a gift, not of works, not of yourselves. But here is the question. What does discipleship cost? Now guys, don't miss this. This, <laughs> wow, this hits me hard. We're going to look at discipleship. I'm going to start off by talking about what Webster Dictionary says a disciple even is. Webster says a disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Another definition is one who follows the teachings of another. Now that is applicable certainly to our faith as well. Synonyms of disciple are follower, adherent, devotee, student, loyalist, protege, and soldier. Those are some, there are are more, but those are some of them. So now we're going to dive into some scripture, and this is where I need you to buckle your seatbelt. Okay? You're not going to like some of what we read. It is scripture. That's why I'm saying let the Lord do the talking. Here we go. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. We're talking about something different here. For me to have to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow him, what is a cross for? A cross is for death. In other words, for me to follow Jesus, I also am going to be dying to some things. Denying myself and dying to some things. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me, Jesus says, will save it. Look at verse 62. This is in the same chapter of Luke 9. Jesus says this. Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Just trying to digest that. So wait a minute, Lord. The, <laughs> the church in America, man, we, we love the blessing part of being a Christian. We do awesome worship even in this room. We we want the comfort, we want the peace, we want the joy, and those are attributes of walking with the Lord. But discipleship also has a cost. And there is death to ourselves involved in this. And there is no halfway for us to say, well, Lord, I, I want more of you. But some of this discipleship stuff, I, I don't even know that I can do that because i got to have some me time. 
Let's keep reading. Let's see what else the Lord says. In Luke 14, 25 through 35, wow, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, I need to point something out here, and this is very important. If you go back to the Greek, you'll understand as well. Jesus is saying, I should be such priority that in comparison to everything else, it's as if you hate everything else. He's not saying, hate your family. He is saying, by comparison to our devotion to him, which makes me ask myself, how devoted to Jesus am I? Is there anything that I am more devoted to than the Lord who died for me? who gives me eternal life. What is more important to me than the Lord? Should I be more devoted to him? The answer is yes. Let's keep reading. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Here's Jesus telling you, do not begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building, couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, He will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. You see it too, don't you? This is not my words. This is scripture. This is Jesus. He goes on to say salt is good for seasoning. This is an analogy. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So I'm reading this the last several weeks, saying, Lord, I want whatever you want me to say about discipleship in the movie we're making. And the Lord says, you've asked me, here it comes. And then it's like, whoa! Yes, I'm familiar with these passages, but when I stop and 100% focus on them and what they mean, it has been hard. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but I want to be all in, complete. And it means, Alex, you've got to die to some things. When the Lord touches your heart and says, Alex, we're going to move this out of the way. Alex, we're going to die to this over here, whatever it may be. And it's not necessarily just sinful things. Yes, it would be sin. It's things that the Lord wants to replace with something better. Remove some things out of the way that may be neutral or not that bad, but he says, I want to replace it with something better. I am helping you grow, Alex. I want to strengthen you. I want to use you as a fruitful follower of Jesus Christ. Just like the football players represent their coach in their university, I represent the Savior who died for me. 
Though I cannot do that perfectly, I am a human. I can do it devotedly. And there's a difference between doing it half-heartedly and doing it devotedly. John 8, 31, 32, we're going to add to this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, we like that part of the verse. We want to know truth and we want to be set free. But he says in verse 31, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And here we go. This is <laughs> John 15, 1 through 8. Oh, boy. We're going to read it. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. S such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Amen. Do you want to bring glory to your Father? Amen. We can't go halfway. There is no lukewarm status the Lord is pleased with. There is no disciple light status. If you choose to follow Jesus, you go all in. Because to say I'm a follower of Christ, but to camp out halfway through my discipleship journey. Now, I'm, some of you are thinking, well, Alex, we're at different levels of maturity. We're, we're all moving that direction. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going in and camping out somewhere halfway down your path saying, I don't want to go any further. It's too difficult. If you do that, what are we reflecting about our Lord and Savior? that he's not worth more than we're giving him. Can that ever be the case? So when Jesus says, I would rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm, because I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's either that you are representing him or you are not representing him. But to go halfway and say, this is where I'm comfortable, this is the Christian life I like, to go halfway is to disregard honoring the Lord. And it is about him more than it is about us. These verses are hard for me to digest. You may be thinking the same thing. Well, some of these verses, they, they get my head spinning. But my point is this. He's worth it. He's worth all in. He's worth remaining in him, continuing to walk with him. You believe and keep believing Walk with him and keep walking with him. 
And don't let anything pull you away from your devotion to the Lord. You can't do it perfectly. I'm not saying we should do it perfectly. But you can devote your heart and surrender to him and say, Lord, you died for me. You gave us all of you. I want to give you all of me. He is pleased with that. Revelation 3, 14 through 16 does say, write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are the lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Is the church in America hot or cold, or do we tend to be lukewarm? I have been asking myself this daily. I cannot, I cannot be lukewarm and ask God to bless what I'm doing. If I want his full blessing, his favor, to be fruitful for him, it means I am pursuing him and fully devoted to him. And if the Lord says, Alex, it's time to change this, die to this, surrender to this, the answer is yes, Lord. John 12, 25 and 26, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. I want that. I want life with Jesus for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. John 13, 34 and 35, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Here's another part of discipleship. Not just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love each other, which proves you are my disciples. So then my question to me is, Alex, is there anybody you refuse to love? Is there anybody you've written off as less important? It's easy to love people who love us. Jesus said, even of the Pharisees, you lend money to people who you are sure to get it back. You, you will eat with those who also will invite you over to eat with them. But who do you love that can't love you back? Who do you give to that can't repay? I have to love everyone. Have to love everyone. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus clearly says this regarding discipleship. He came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about that for a second. Think about what Jesus just said. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the one with all authority given to him by God. And look what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When I fully devote to the Lord, he's with me. He walks with me. He helps me. And yes, I get all the benefits we so enjoy in our walk with Christ. But what we must be willing to do is say, Lord, I'm devoting myself to you. 
And if it means dying to something and denying myself, I will do it because of who you are. Because of who you are. You deserve my full devotion, my full life. So here are my thoughts, studying all these passages. Jesus sacrificed himself to make a way for us to be right with God through him. This is a gift, but he calls us to follow him as a devoted disciple, to grow in faith, bear fruit that glorifies the Lord, and to draw others to know him as well. There can be no half-hearted position here. There is no disciple light or lukewarm status to camp out in. There is a cost. He wants and deserves all of us, for he gave us all of him. My discipleship notes are these. There is a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally. Test yourself to be sure you know him. Is he truly your Lord? So I've gotten off by myself, and I have been a Christian since I was six years old, and asked myself again, Lord, I've walked with you for years, but Lord, I'm going to test myself even now. Do I belong to you? Do I truly believe you and recognize you as God's son who died for me, was buried, and rose from the dead, and that you sit at the right hand of God, interceding for me? Lord, have I put my faith in you, and have I believed in you? And when I say, have I believed in you, I can't lie to myself and pretend I'm believing in him when there's no fruit to show it. What is that? You and I can lie to ourselves. Just me going to church all of my life, me listening to Christian radio, doesn't mean I'm a true follower of Jesus. There will be fruit if I know the Lord. There will be fruit. He will bear fruit through me. I don't get to determine what my status of Christianity looks like. He determines it, and I follow. All true disciples are believers, but not all believers are true disciples. A true disciple is a learner, a follower, and devoted to Jesus. They are useful and fruitful to God and will prioritize time with God and his word. They will obediently follow the Lord in prayer, service, worship, giving, and teaching others to follow the Lord. Jesus said to choose him over everything, even if it means dying to something you love. A true disciple will move things out of the way to keep Jesus as the main priority, even if it's treasure, position, relationships, possessions, etc. It's not about how much we have, but how much of us does God have? A true disciple will have no attachments that are dishonoring to God. If we refuse to give something up, then we've made it more of a treasure in our hearts than Jesus. Again, that's what I've been asking myself. Lord, when you tap on something in my heart, say, Alex, move this out of the way, am I obedient? Some just want salvation. Oh, I'm sorry, a true disciple does not lose his or her flavor like salt losing its taste, but will love others the way the Lord loves us. It's about glorifying and honoring the Lord no matter what that path brings. Some just want salvation, blessings, and to get into heaven with as little pain as possible. But Jesus is worth everything. 
A man that's crucified in Christ is dead, and dead men can't be offended. So what offends me? And is it my flesh that's offended? So we should ask ourselves if we are truly followers of Christ. If so, whose life is being changed because of who we are? Who are we leading toward Jesus as we grow and walk with him? The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Invest your life in others. Effective discipleship is being with them as they learn to walk with the Lord. Show them as much as you tell them and let them see a sermon more than hearing one. May you see fruitfulness from those you hang out with in the faith more than hearing a sermon like this. That will minister to you and help you even more. Yes, we need times where we collectively come together, worship the Lord, and preach his word. Yes. But you need fellowship with other believers. You need accountability with other believers. You need to be being discipled or to be pouring into someone else as a disciple of Christ. I was discipled for a couple of years as a college student. And I used to think I'm discipled because it happened when I was in college. What I'm learning is my discipleship walk is every day, regularly, pursuing the Lord and walking with him, staying in his word, making prayer a priority in my life, dying to whatever the Lord says die to so that I bear the fruit he wants me to bear for his glory. And I pray that when I stand before him, on Judgment Day, and we will all stand before him on Judgment Day, when he says, well, good, good and faithful servant, is because he has a young man. I'm 52. He has a man that was fully devoted to him. So even recently, I have asked the Lord, would you help me, Lord? Would you identify things in my life that I would not hold back in any area and be fully devoted And if it's hard, give me strength. Do not let me fall back. Do not let me settle for any lukewarmness in my life. We don't need more lukewarm converts. We need disciples of Christ honoring the Lord and bringing other people into the faith, discipling them. So what do we project to the world as far as our Savior and Lord is concerned? What are we projecting? What are we communicating to the world about our devotion to our Savior and Lord. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. So my brothers and sisters and my Sherwood family and whoever is watching, I'm asking that you ask yourself the hard question. Am I a disciple of Christ? Do I follow Jesus devotedly with my, you can't do it perfectly but you can devote yourself to the Lord above other things. If you ask yourself, what, if the Lord asked you to give it up, would you say, no, I will not? That's where you need to say, Lord, get me to the point and tenderize my heart where I say, yes, Lord. And as David said, Lord, search me and know me and go through my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me that we can say, Lord, Purify us, walk with us, help us to honor you in all that we do.
Where are you? This poem from Edgar Guest, I thought was a very strong one as far as the mentality we need to have to pour into others and disciple others. It's called, I'd Rather See a Sermon. This is decades ago. It says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see good put in action is what everybody needs. May people see your life that know you are a believer and see the sermon that you're living. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. This is a difficult sermon. It is difficult for me. But you just read the same scripture that I read. And I'm going to take a few minutes and ask you, would you go before the Lord and say, Lord, where am I? Am I calling myself a follower of Christ, a disciple? Am I obedient to you? Lord, is there anything you want to do in my heart, anything you need to address, anything I need to die to because you are my Lord? You need to ask yourself if he is truly your Savior and is he truly your Lord? While everyone's head is bowed, I'm going to ask you, has the Lord spoken to you today? Has he said, there are things you need to deal with in your walk with me? Or there are things you need to establish? Jesus says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He died for you. He gave his all for you. If you are unsure about your stance of salvation with him, you can say, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to help me walk with you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. But Lord, because you did that for me, I will give you my life in return. Help me piece by piece, area by area, devote my life to you and not hold anything back. You can ask the Lord even where you're sitting to do that now. With your head still bowed, are there people in this room that would say, this has hit me hard and I realize I need to pursue a discipleship role with the Lord and be more serious and devoted about it? Would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you've made the prayer of salvation earnestly in your heart to the Lord, if you've said, Lord, I want to know that I know that I know that I am yours, that my salvation is secure in you, I don't want to be in a position where I know about you. I want to know you. Would you save me, Lord? Would you forgive me? 
If you have prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, honor the Lord with what he guides you to do. Whatever he's telling you in your heart, whatever he's tapping on your heart, whatever area, take that time and give it to him. Let him work that your life would be fruitful and effective and a witness to who he is. That the sermon people see in your life would honor the Lord. Respond to him. Respond to him. Respond to him. He loves you tremendously. Incredibly. He loves you. And the evidence of that is his sacrifice for you. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as the Son of God, Lord and Savior. We acknowledge you as one who gave your life on the cross for us, who was buried and rose, that you sit at the right hand of God, that you intercede for us. Lord, I know this has been a hard message today, but Lord, I ask that you would say what you want to to each of the hearts in this room and that they respond accordingly. Bless them, Lord. Help them, strengthen them, and guide them. For those who have established a new relationship with you today, God, I ask that you walk with them. And may this church be known as a church that honors you, worships you, and is devoted to you. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We praise the name of Jesus. It is in your name that we give today and this time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for processing. I bless you in Jesus' name. God loves you. I love you too. And I'm working through this as well. It's going to be a good day. Let's respond to the Lord. God bless you.